This is a kick in the grass with Dan Riccio and Jeff Blair on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Another wild weekend in the Premier League. It is a kick in the grass. Dan Riccio and Jeff Blair with you. Follow us on Twitter at Dan Riccio underscore and at SN Jeff Blair. DMs are open. Send your questions for the show to our inboxes. We answer all of your questions in the Injury Time segments at the end of the show. And if you are enjoying what we do here, hit that subscribe button on your preferred podcatcher so you never miss any of the new episodes. We appreciate if you'd leave a review as well. Our guest today, Toronto FC breakout star, Richie Larea. Jeff, uh, these results are starting to get uh, wackier and wackier by the week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you think so? Um <laughs> you know, where to begin? I mean, wasn't it, uh, I think it was last week we were talking about, well, maybe we underestimated Man City um, and maybe we overestimated Liverpool. Before that, it was, well, we're reasonably confident in Liverpool and everybody's down in Tottenham. And of course, we saw what happened this weekend, Tottenham winning 6-1 over, you know, the team formerly known as Manchester United. And then uh, Liverpool just being steamrolled by Villa. Yeah. Uh, losing Allison in the process, and that will be interesting because I have I felt that he so much is made of Virgil Van Dyke and Alexander Arnold and Andrew Robertson, and I have really felt all along that Allison is one of the real keys to that team. I think he's he's very much a a part of that defensive framework that kind of is, is the underpinning of everything. So the international break is probably coming at a good time for Liverpool. And look, they're good enough. They'll, they'll survive that. I, I don't, I, I look at Liverpool's result the same way I looked at Bayern Munich's result a couple of weekends ago. It's so bad that I just kind of shrug and go, it's one of those things. 2020, um, a lot of these teams that played a lot of football last year, haven't had a regular off season. I mean, all, all the all the excuses, all the excuses. Mm-hmm. But I think beyond excuses, Dan, I I just think they're facts. Sometimes we overlook just how much athletes are creatures of habit, and if you interfere with sort of their natural rhythms, right, the rhythm of play, the rhythm of development, how they live their lives, and that, I think maybe it's a little much to expect them to just come back and, you know, everything, everything's going to be fine. But having said that, I would, I would give Manchester United, I would allow them that excuse for the first couple of games, first couple of matches of this season to play the way they played against Tottenham to yield the way they yielded against Tottenham to be so not just outplayed, but outthought by Tottenham. That you know, that loss concerns me more than than anything else that's happened that's happened this year. I was prepared to write off those other things, but look, you lose, you you put Eric by in, you drop Lindelof. You, you Ole has literally done everything he can do right now in terms of the players that he has to fix that back end, uh, to fix that back line. It's not working. Yesterday, uh, you know, it, look, if you want to counterattack, that strategy is fine, provided you don't let goals in <laughs> when the other team is pressing, right? <laughs> At some point, you want 
at some point you want your center back to make a play. You want somebody to make a pass out. And they just, they, they had no answer to anything, anything Tottenham did. And I, I think that you have to have some real concern about uh, where this team is going under, under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer right now. He, he, there was just no answer yesterday and that can't happen. That, that can't happen. It's um, fascinating the way that it is playing out. And we're going to unpack that. Um, just the idea of, uh, is this a Premier League season that could be more wide open than we are used to seeing or than we even expected? But you're right. I mean, there's there's differences here between these two blowout losses. For Liverpool, you know, they had three deflection goals go in on them. Uh, the Adrian mess up. Um, there was some luck involved for, for Aston Villa to see the score as high as it was, but certainly some concern with Liverpool, but nowhere near what is going on at Manchester United right now. And United, you know, they were terrible against Crystal Palace. Um, probably should have lost to Brighton and Hove Albion even last mm-hmm. week. And here they are, even before the red card, are way off the pace. Uh, to Tottenham. And when a Jose Mourinho side is attacking at will against you, uh, you know that something is up. They could smell the blood. They could smell the goals coming. And there was nothing Manchester United could do to stop it. And some headlines from around the world. uh, Friend of the show, Mark Ogden, Solskjaer's future must be in question. Miguel Delaney in the Independent. Manchester United's shambolic defeat Brutally exposes Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's shortcomings. Tactics guru Michael Cox at The Athletic. New signings won't save Manchester United. Better coaching would. Mm-hmm. Well, I, look, I think that's... I, the problem with that is that United's problems defensively are so fundamental. I don't know... I, I don't know what Ole Gunnar Solskjaer could possibly do beyond what he's done right now. I, 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 the, the problems Manchester United has, I think at least the problems Manchester United has, are 95% defensively, are 95% down to poor choices in the market, poor personnel choices, as opposed to how, how Ole is using is using those particular players. Harry Maguire, like Harry Maguire for 80 million. I mean, he, he looks like a Sunday league player right now. I, it's, it's incredible how much he's fallen off. No, but, but here's the thing. It's just money. And by now, if you're Manchester United, you realize what you have with Harry Maguire. So instead of sort of sitting there and hoping that he's going to get better, you know, it's almost like a sunk cost. Okay, you've, you've paid this money for Harry Maguire. He's not as good as you thought he would be. So give him some help. Get in somebody who's better than him or pay at least that amount of money to bring in somebody you know, who, who's going who, who's gonna to offset the, the issues that Harry Maguire has. I mean, he's not horrible. He's, you know, he's in England. He's in England international. He's okay. I don't think that he is necessarily the reason Manchester United is having so many issues at the back. But I do think, I do think that he cannot be, he cannot be your best player if you are serious about, about not just contending in the premiership, 
but about winning in Champions League. He, he, he cannot be the most high-profile defender. You've made your commitment to him. Yes, you overpaid. So what? You're Manchester United. You overpay all the time. Go out and address the issue. And it seems to me that one of Man, Man United's problems and one of Ed Woodward's big problems is they pay too much attention to the noise around the team, right? And to the, the former players who are in, uh, you know, who are in media and, and all this stuff. What Manchester United needs to do, I think, is bring in a football director from outside the team. I want somebody with no ties. I want somebody with no ties to Manchester United. I don't even care if he comes from Man City. I want somebody with no ties from Manchester United to come in and look at this team and address the immediate issues. Yeah. Jaden Sancho would be it would be great. It would be great to have him, but he's he's not he's not going to he's not going to improve your issues this year. So table that, put it aside, and bring in. You know, again, focus on focus on defenders. Like it, it cannot be. It just cannot be that hard. I mean, I, I refuse to think it's that hard for Manchester United to realize what's wrong and bring in people who can correct it. It's wild. And Ravi on Twitter sends us a message at Dan Riccio underscore and at SN Jeff Blair. Man United need a, a new guy making the signings. We've had many managers over the years yielding the same results. Time to dump the garbage up top. And it, hey, uh, you know, <laughs> Woodward has taken his fair share of criticism through the years, but he has so far skirted uh, being removed from that position. And and I agree. Like I, I, I don't think um, you know, I'm, I'm really souring very quickly here on on Ole as as time goes on. But you know, think about the signings that they've made at manager since moving on from Sir Alex Ferguson. Uh, David Moyes uh, was the he was doing fine at Everton at the time, but nowhere near a world class sort of manager that you would have expected to come into Manchester United. Um, Louis Van Gaal, I mean, oh my, like you know, he was way past it when he showed up. So same with Jose Mourinho, and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was a caretaker that uh, had a good couple of results, and and you've stuck to him now for a couple of years, um, but. Again, nobody looking at this manager, all due respect to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, as anybody that is, uh, as of yet, a uh, world-class manager and hasn't really had to prove it at, at other levels as well. I mean, he won the top division in Norway. What, what does that prove? You know, that's you know, the equivalent of winning League One in my eyes, mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. how are we really judging a player on that, judging a manager on that? You've got Maurizio Pochettino out there right now. You want a proven manager uh, that can grow with a team that has uh, shown to to bring Tottenham to to new levels in this modern era of football, and, and you're going to go spend more, throw money at at players that are going to underwhelm, just like all these others have have through the past few years. Here's go find the manager that's going to actually make a difference. Well, there's a couple of things here, and you mentioned David Moyes, and, and this gets to my point about where Man U has gone wrong. 
And as a Man U fan, I thought about this initially, and I think I've been proven right. When you move on from a person such as Sir Alex Ferguson, with that personality, and a person whose fingerprints are all over the team for so long, you have to make a complete break. It's fine to give him a spot. You know, he, can, he can sit in the owner's box, all that, do whatever he wants. But let's not forget that David Moyes was hired largely because Sir Alex Ferguson gave him a vote of confidence. And <laughs> that gets to Man United's problems. Stop being so inbred. Look outside. There is a whole modern world of football out there. And in a way, I thought bringing in Mourinho and Van Gaal, I, it, was, it, was a, it was a departure from that, and, and, I, and I was happy with that. But I just think that it didn't work out with Van Gaal. It didn't work out with Mourinho, or at least is not not as much as Manchester United wanted it to. So then the natural Man U tendency was to go back and go within and, and, and try to recapture the past. And who is the common thread between all this? Well, it's Ed Woodward. So I, I think this is, a, this is a, a club that needs a huge reset. And I'll tell you what, this year is a missed opportunity for Manchester United. You have no fans in the stands this year if you wanted to make a move be bold and tie the can to Ole, a much beloved figure and bring in Maurizio Pochettino this would have been the year to do it this would have been the year to do it this is like this would have been the perfect year for Pochettino to get get his feet on the ground no fans not there's gonna be no pressure to play a certain way you can basically do whatever you want as long as you win and i just think i think man you is good is they're gonna pay and pay and pay for missing this opportunity for a long time i mean i was looking at some of the stats from that game Oof. <laughs> you know uh seven but but just and, and i'm gonna look at i'm gonna talk about sort of the energy stats right seven tottenham players had two tackles you know tottenham had six times as many shots they had four times as many tackles as 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 Man U did. So in addition to being able to pry their defense apart and everything and score six goals, they just flat out worked them. And so that's a Jose Mourinho coach team scoring six goals, mm -hmm. right? Uh, with a guy, Son, who's probably not 100% fit. And man... Um, I, I, I think that is, that is, that is hugely disappointing if you're, if you're a Man United fan. And now, of course, we're hearing Cavani, uh, and Kalish and, and, and look, anybody that gets Luke Shaw onto the bench is, <laughs> I, I'm happy with that, but that isn't going to make them marginally better. You're still going to find all sorts of joy in the middle of that line. It doesn't matter who's on the wings, really. Look, Aaron Wan-Bissaka has not been very good since he's been there. Mm -mm. But it doesn't matter if you've got that weakness in the middle. It, I, I, I don't just don't think it matters necessarily what you do in the wings. Yeah, I, uh, I a hundred percent agree. And you know, the, um, I, I don't know if Telish is going to be able to do anything if Harry Maguire is tackling him, uh, the way mm -hmm. that he did Luke Shaw yesterday. Uh, it's, 
you know, I, I, I kind of, um, I, I, I like the fact that they didn't spend too much time dwelling on the red card, which, yeah, it was soft, but there was, it seemed like a, an understanding that. Oh, you raise your hand, you raise your hand and hit somebody in the face. You should be off. I don't care how soft it is. I don't care how much acting. Like, yeah. I, honestly, I have no problem with that. I have no problem with that at all. That to yeah. me is a straight red. And and that's why VAR was never going to overturn it as much as people were saying it, it was it was soft and whatever. Um, but I'm glad that you know not too many people at United, even Solskjaer himself, you know, while he uh, laughed a little bit about Lamella doing that uh, and <laughs> lamented one of his players doing that um, in, in future. He also didn't dwell on the fact that they lost the game because of the red card. You know, right. they were well off the uh, off the pace before that. And you mentioned Mourinho and uh, <laughs> and and a side coached by him scoring six goals. Uh, he even joked after the match, "What if what if we had an attacking coach? We might have scored seven or eight, or even more potentially." So he was, um, you know, driving the knife uh, through the wound as well. And I absolutely. You know, think that there is a lot going on here with United. Uh, you have to ask yourself, you know, who... Certainly there's some good young players here, right? Um, Mason Greenwood was incredible last year. Rashford, um, he's banging in a lot of goals. I think there's game, parts of his game that uh, aren't developing as well as they should from a, a, a tactical point of view, a knowledge point of view. Um, but there's a ton of talent there. Pogba, they've never figured out how to use Pogba. How many signings have they had that have just kind of stalled? And even Bruno oh. Fernandes, as as well as he started, um, you know, even him, he's kind of stalled a little bit here. And maybe he'll find midseason form uh, as well. But that that comes back to the manager too, in that you're bringing in some pretty talented players, and they're kind of hitting an apex and they're not getting beyond it right and and I think that's that's something that has to be worrisome for for Manchester United as well for me yeah they just can't they they can't continue they can't continue on this uh, on this path um I, I don't know part of the problem I think with Paul Pogba is I've never seen a United player who is so adversely so adversely affected by poor performance around him you know one of the things i loved about pogba when when we see him play internationally is he seems to be a guy he's comfortable being the focal point he's getting involved in things he makes smart plays and i just see a guy at manchester united who is never taking the lead he's always he reflects the team the team's playing poorly He's playing poorly. If the team's playing really well, he's okay. But there's, I just, I don't think, I don't think Ole knows what to do with them. And, you know, Manchester United, I mean, they've, they've had a history of, of bringing in midfielders and just, and, and not figuring out how to use them and, and wasting them. I mean, you look at the players that are, that are still on Man U's books, the just the people who came in and, and, became Deadwood. And I have my concerns. I have my concerns about Paul Pogba. The only time I've seen Paul Pogba play in the last five years and play at the level that I think he should be playing at is when he's with, is when he's with Les Bleus. It's the only time I've seen him where I've looked at him and said, okay, this guy is, is something else. And 
you know, I, I don't know if, if there's the way of taking what works for him in a France uniform and, and trying to incorporate it with Manchester United. I, I don't know if you can necessarily do that, but it's clear that Ole cannot get the best out of him. Yeah, he's, uh, he's not the player that he was uh, when he helped Juventus get to the Champions League final in 2015 uh, or, or the player that we saw win the World Cup with France. Um, I think that's pretty pretty obvious. Um, on, 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 on another note, um, th- this is, in the grand scheme, like we're seeing a lot of wild results, especially in the Premier League. You know, Liverpool losing 7-2 to Aston Villa. I think most Villa fans are like, man, I wish we were at Villa Park for that. Um, Man City uh, drawing 1-1 with Leeds. Their stalled start to the season continues. West Ham, another huge result. They just beat Leicester 3-0. What are we looking at here, Jeff? Is Is this early season rust, or is this a Premier League race that it's more open than we all thought? No, I, I really do think that a, a lot of this, and I keep, I hate sounding like a broken record, Dan, but I think a lot of this gets back to just, it, it, it's, it's 2020. It was a strange end to the season last year. It was a very compressed off season. I look at the elite teams in the Premier League the same way I look at the New York Yankees and the Chicago Blackhawks when they were on their, their great runs, you know, at some point, the games, the minutes just start adding up, you know, the body is a finite thing. And because the premier league has basically been a two person or a two, two team show for the past couple of years, the, accumulated play and the accumulated intensity and the accumulated pressure on those teams, I think explains why we are where we are now. I mean, Liverpool's basically had the same group for three years, right? Man City, sort of the same group for three years. There's been a little more turnover. But I I really, I'm reluctant to say that this, that the league were in the the start of a, a a brave new age and it's going to be teams like Leicester city winning for the next two years. Let's see what happens when we get into 2021. Uh, As I said, right now, certainly with Liverpool and man city, I'm prepared to say this is just a matter of a weird off season. Man, you, I think based on what I saw against Tottenham, uh, we we can now move beyond the giving them the benefit of the doubt stage. They are just a, a not a very well constructed team. Uh, but the other two, Man City and Liverpool, I'm not making any judgment on them any more than I'm certainly I'm certainly not making any judgment in the uh, Bundesliga on Bayern Munich either. Let's see what happens as this goes on. So. Coming back from the international break, we are going to get a Merseyside derby. That is a top-of-the-table clash. Everton is on 12 points, still perfect for the season. Liverpool on nine points with that loss yesterday and their three wins to start the campaign. Are we... uh, If Everton manage a winning result, Mm -hmm. are we looking at them differently than just a hot start. I'm starting to look at them differently. Yeah. L- largely because I admit that I was a skeptic when James Rodriguez came to the Premier League. Uh, early days. 
I understand. He was good on Saturday, man. <laughs> but yes, he was. And I mean, he's been he's been treated harshly in a couple of occasions by opposing players. He's bounced up. He seems to clearly enjoy playing for Ancelotti. And you know, I, even I, Everton has as under Ancelotti has really turned into a they've turned into a very efficient, a very smart group. They made a signing today that I absolutely love and is a signing made by a team that I think is serious about trying to maintain a level of excellence for multiple years. You know, bringing Ben Godfrey in from Norwich, is ex- that's, exactly, that's exactly the type of signing a team like Everton should be making right now. You know, a little bit for the future, adding some depth to an already pretty accomplished part of that team. They just seem to be more more than any Everton team. Well, certainly since David Moyes, Dan, they seem to be a reflection of Carlo Ancelotti. And I've, I've look, I've always loved him as a manager. I, I, for a variety of reasons, I like him as a person. He's the whole thing around him. But we, from what we've seen out of this team so far. I, I changed my mind. I, I do. I think that they are going to win. No. Can I see them? Can I see them challenging for a fourth spot? Maybe getting fifth around there. Absolutely. I, I, I put it this way. I, I, w- I am prepared. I am prepared to be surprised by Everton. I will say this. It, it took me uh, basically three quarters of the season uh, a few years ago to start believing that Leicester were serious title contenders. Like, <laughs> you know, you're just so conditioned uh, after watching this game for so many years that the top clubs by the end of it will get there. Right. And um, as much as this early start has been intriguing, it's uh, we're still a ways away from me starting to say, yeah, we're we're gonna have a really off the board title Premier League champion uh, again this year, like we did with with Leicester a couple of seasons ago. Um, we've got a question from Darren in on Twitter to close out this segment. He wants to know uh, since it is deadline day and it's not fully closed yet, but we know most of the moves here, Jeff. Best and worst transfer of the window. And I'll start with a bold one because it is just being finalized here. And we already talked about this player, but I don't like the Alex Telesh signing for Manchester United at all. And I'll tell you why. This is another attacking-minded player. He is a set-piece specialist, which they don't really need on this team after Bruno Fernandes has, has already taken that spot on this roster. And I look at Telesh as a, a left back who likes to get forward, likes to add to the attack, but is one that gets bailed out by his center back pairings with Porto quite often. And one thing I know about Manchester United and their center halves <laughs> is that they don't cover as well as uh, some others have in the past for Alex Telesh. So I think that this is a signing that could look poorly on Manchester United moving forward. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the signing that, that I have gravest concern about um, is another Manchester United signing, and, and that is <laughs> Edison Cavani. 
Um, I, yep. I I just don't see it. Uh, why why bring in why bring in a guy who is on the way down uh, who doesn't address any of your three pressing issues who is going to yeah what what's going to go through the minds of Martial and Rashford and Greenwood when they see a guy like that walk in mm-hmm. to the locker room they all know what the problem with this team is and it it, it it's a depth move for a team that shouldn't be thinking about depth right now, you know, it's a team that should be thinking about how it can address, how it can address pressing issues. I'm with you as well. And tell us, I find an, a, you know, another, another guy with pace, another, another attacker that doesn't, uh, that doesn't address the issues that Manchester United has. If anything, it's going to leave, it, it will leave uh, that horrible middle, even more exposed. Again, this just seems to me to be an example of a, a Manchester United approach. You know, we were willing to spend 80 or 71 million on Sancho. We're not going to get him. So let's split up the 71 million in to a bunch of, you know, into a bunch of other signings. And, and it's just, it, it's reflective of an outdated approach. And I, I mean, I, I just, I'm, I'm speechless. When I first heard that this was even a possibility, I, I just laughed. I thought, why? <laughs> like, why yeah. would you do uh, it? Best signing. Uh, an elder we, pl- we, I was going to say yep, best signing. Ahead. We touched on it. It's got to be. It's got to be Hamas Rodriguez so far. It, uh, it has to be. He's he's been unreal for for Everton and uh, for me Sandro Tonali at Milan uh, has been fantastic already. I mean Milan even without Ibrahimovic who's been out with COVID, uh, they they still managed to get a result. It was wild the penalty. Uh, if you haven't seen the penalties that they had uh, last Crazy. week against Rio Ave in the, in the Europa League, uh, go ahead and watch it because it's just uh, the most mind-boggling penalty scenario you've ever seen in your life. But Tonali is the next great Italian midfielder for Milan to get their hands on him before Juventus or Inter could. I think that's a huge coup for them. They've looked really good under uh, Stefano Pioli uh, as their manager, and I think uh, that they could really start to finally come out of their slumber. You know, this is one of the most decorated teams from a Champions League perspective in the world, and they've just been kind of hibernating for so long. Uh, They're essentially the Manchester United of Italy with the way that they've gone through a huge rebuild that is just continuing to rebuild because they make so many poor signings. But I think they're finally starting to get it right at Milan, and that signing is probably the biggest symbol of that. Uh, and all I'm right. going to say this too: yeah. he has not played, but I said this at the start of the year, and I still maintain that when this season is done, we are going to be looking at Hayim Zayek as the, if not the most impressive uh, signing, if not the most impressive acquisition, certainly one of the three most impressive acquisitions. Because watching, watching Chelsea look better, you know, watching Ben Chilwell do what he did. And now yep. picturing the depth they are going to have when Zayek is ready and what he's going to bring and the, the, the possibilities he opens up for the players around him. I, I think once he's in place, we're going to see the real Timo Werner. I, I just, I, I think that was such, that remains to me one of the, one of the shrewdest 
moves by any any club in the off season. I do. Uh, I, I feel good about my Spurs uh, bet for top four. Don't don't feel good about uh, having Manchester United uh, in, in the top four ahead of Chelsea in my uh, preseason predictions. But we'll see how that plays out. I'm sticking to it for now. Uh, coming up, we're going to talk to Richie Larea. What an incredible breakout he's had with Toronto FC and how he can help the Canadian men's national team as well. That's coming up next on A Kick in the Grass. Back in on A Kick in the Grass, it's Dan Riccio and Jeff Blair, Toronto FC. Three wins on the spin. Uh, they are joint top of the MLS Eastern Conference right now after their win over Philadelphia at the weekend. And one of the star players of late, Richie Larea, joining us here on the show. Thanks for this, Richie. How are you? I'm doing uh, very well. How are you guys doing? We're doing good, man. Good. Uh, we're. I, th- I think everybody is is still buzzing after your goal against Columbus last week. That was uh, that was some kind of a move. Yeah, um, it was um, uh, a good moment for for us as a as a group to be able to get such a big um, win against a team like Columbus. But yes, I was happy to be able to contribute and uh, score that goal, and you know, just help the team get, uh, stay in the direction we were wanting to stay in. So it was, um, it was a fun game, very fun second half for us. Richie Toronto FC has been in a bit of a run lately, despite the fact that it hasn't been allowed to play games in, in Canada because of the border, uh, the border restriction. What, what changed for this team between its performance in Orlando and what we're seeing from them now? Yeah, I think it, um, it all came down to mentality and the resilience of this uh, of this group. I think we had a good internal talk with that, with uh, each other because we knew if we were going to continue to play this season, it'd be difficult to play games at home with how uh, strict the government was being in Canada. I mean, rightfully so with what's happening in the world right now. So we knew we would either have to maybe enter another bubble or have to have a new home based in America. So we were prepared and we had a lot of very good conversation as a, as a group to get ourselves ready for whatever came um, forward. And just like you guys are seeing now, we're in Hartford, Connecticut. It's um, a very far, very far from Toronto and very far from BMO, but um, we're making do with um, whatever we have. And we're just that type of group, that type of team, that type of club to continue to compete for for titles and compete for everything really and you know we have to do that now in a neutral environment you could say but um we're not making any excuses yeah it's uh, three wins now after the the win over philadelphia on the weekend as as well it's it's got to feel pretty good, but um, it, it is difficult, you know, being down there in, in Hartford and that being uh, your kind of de facto home for now. How how tough is it um, as as a player and, and as you know, being away from your family? Yeah, it's um, it's definitely uh, tough. You have to be pretty mentally strong to be doing things like this because I think we all thought Orlando was going to be a bit of a drag with how long we'd be gone and etc. But like now we're doing that again and even even at a at a longer rate now. So you know it takes uh, it takes a lot out of you, but you have to be very strong because you know guys are leaving wives, kids, girlfriends, fiancés, whatever it may be, uh, back home, and you know you're just here with the team, which is um, 
to an extent good because we have a very good group and um guys that make it uh, enjoyable and funny and you know uh lift the mood of the group um while we're here which is good and it's it's felt like that the whole way through but yeah it's difficult to to not be with um your family and missing out on milestones for um like you know a kid's aspect i have a my son's 19 months old so you know i'm missing a lot a lot of stuff that he's doing right now but you know i i know there's a there's a bigger picture behind all of this and this group is trying to fight for something so you know it's not only me that's sacrificing something everyone is literally sacrificing something uh this year and to play games and try to compete so i think we've all got that in the back of our minds and we're not um you know too bummed about whatever happens or whatever situation we might be in you must you must have facetime working uh working overtime then <laughs> yeah i've been on facetime it's only 208 p.m and i've been on facetime maybe five times already with my son <laughs> so it's been it's it's going well uh, well, at least we have that, and that's uh, that, that is uh, the good part about uh, technology right now. Um, but it, from a, a coming together, is, has has these situations, Orlando and, and now Hartford, has has that uh, built um, you know a, a better camaraderie with within the squad? Yeah, um, you know, many people would say make or break, but I think this group has a, already had such a strong connection with each other. This is just making it even stronger. You know, you know, you're getting to see guys whether you like it or not every single day, every single minute of the day. You're with uh, you're with the group, so um, you better make it work. Uh, but no, I'm just kidding. Uh, we we all get along really, really well, and we all um, you know enjoy playing with each other. Enjoy. Um, going to going to bat going to war with each other every um every game day so i think it's yes it's building a better spirit amongst the group even though it was already pretty good but then to pick up these results being away from home with all the adversity thrown at us and the two other canadian teams versus how um you know um the american teams are living quite normally versus us so it's it's nice for us to still be able to pick up results and doing it the right way. So I think it shows how strong-minded and how um, good of a group that we have here. A lot of a lot of shouts for uh, Pozuelo MVP lately with with the run of form that he's been on. Uh, what's what's your view on that? Is he has he got a good chance? Yeah, yeah. I think um, if if the season were to end today, it would it would have to be him for MVP. He's been unbelievable all year long he was unbelievable last year as well so it's not come to a surprise uh to any of us so um i think he's doing what 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 he normally does he's um he's a magician on the field he's such a good player he um is so important for our team and you you see it on a day in day out basis you know he uh, helps us so much and he's um the heart of what we have going on here so um yes i would um i i from my uh expert uh, opinion i would say it would have to be him and i hope once the season ends we've um reached all our goals in terms of a team and whenever won everything we want to win and then he also receives mvp award because i think it'd be icing on the top for for our club and for him i want to take you back to november 2018 and orlando city declines your your contract option what was that moment like uh, like for you richie yeah, that was um, it was a very tough uh, moment for me. Um, I had a lot of things going on in my head at the time. You know, I'd just been released from 
from the club that dropped to me, I didn't play a whole lot there. And I felt like I still had so much more to prove. And, you know, there's thoughts in my head about me thinking about, am I going to get another chance in the MLS to prove myself? You know, this, this isn't the way I wanted to go out, etc. So it was, um, it was, it was very tough. And then, um, yeah, just, uh, so many things going on in my mind. My, uh, son was going to be born three months after that. So, um, I had, I didn't have, um, a job for say, so it was, um, pretty it was a pretty difficult uh time for me to to be going through but um i think now looking back at it um not then i did i definitely didn't appreciate it then but now i think it uh it helped me to get where i am today and just to continue to push on it's it's got to give you a little bit of extra motivation and and now you know your development has, has been so impressive with with toronto fc i mean it's it's got to feel pretty good to, with how far you've come in the last couple of years. Yeah, it's um it's it's definitely nice to to see. I I try not to even think too much um, about it because you know I do, I I don't need um, any distractions. And I think where I'm where I'm at now is hopefully just me scratching the surface, and there's a lot more to to come from me. So yes, I think um I do look back time to time, you know, thinking about how differently my life could have went or been if I, you know, would have laid down and rolled over and called quits or started feeling sorry for myself. But in, instead I did uh, the opposite, you know, and wanted to prove a lot of people wrong about what they thought about me, what they thought about my game, what they thought about me playing in this league. You know, many people told me that, uh, or many people were saying that I wasn't um, at the level and stuff like that. So I had this, um, kind of fire in me to prove a lot of people wrong and um that's what kind of kept me going then and then it's keeping me going till this day and i think about if i'm being honest with you that situation a lot um and the way i felt and i promised you know myself my family that i wouldn't put myself or my family through that again so or try not to so that's the type of mentality i go into into games with or into the new year with I kind of picture you like the the Michael Jordan meme, looking at the screen, being like, "I took that personally," and you just <laughs> you, you, you keep you keep driving forward and, and pushing the new limits. And it's, I mean, it's it's been awesome to see the way that that you have have progressed. Um, you know, what what is it at Toronto FC that that you've kind of found yourself and they've they've allowed you to grow into the player a lot of people thought you'd be when you were drafted seventh overall. Yeah, and I mean, listen. First and foremost, I can't take anything. I can't take uh, full credit, if any credit at all. Um, you know, that's all on the staff here and the organization here for getting me to where I am today. You know, without TFC, I'm. You know, maybe I am the kid that got drafted, uh, played three years, and then you know um, gets cut, and you don't hear from him ever again. So. I have a lot of um, good words and good wishes towards TFC. Without them, I wouldn't be sitting here speaking to you right now about about this. And, you know, that's all down to Greg and his entire staff. They worked with me tirelessly, you know, trying to teach me a new position and all those things. And it was intimidating for me. I was coming, you know, for me personally, uh, coming to the best MLS club of late, you know, and with how many big profile players they had, um, just such a good group they play such a attractive style of soccer so for me it was like you know i was getting cut from a team that hadn't made playoffs i think at the time in four years while i was there to now come into a team which is you know the probably most renowned team in the league uh to date just because of how successful the team's been so it was 
definitely intimidating for me, but the, the coaches and players didn't make me feel like that. And, you know, I learned, I had to learn a lot quick, but, um, it's, it's all thanks to them. So without these coaches, my, uh, my teammates, um, you know, the front office people, Ali, Bill, you know, they all took a chance on me and believe in me. So without them, I wouldn't, again, be speaking to you right now. So TFC is instrumental in all of this. You had a breakout performance for the Canadian men's team at BMO Field against the U.S. And of course, the international schedule has been thrown out of kilter by the pandemic. How concerned are you that the momentum the Canadian men's team seemed to be developing, even given that loss to the U.S. the last time out, but the momentum that the US, the Canadian men's team seemed to be developing after that win over the U.S. at BMO Field, how concerned are you that that, that, that might be lost because of the, the gap in time we've seen? No, I actually don't think so, because if you, if you look across the board of, of players that we have right now in the national team pool, there's... Obviously, you know, you guys, um, I'm sure you guys have reported a lot on them between Alfonso and Jonathan David, the things that they're doing right now is, you know, astronomical and it's, uh, it's amazing and it's so good for Canada. It's so good for Canada soccer and them playing at a high level is very good for our national team. But there's other guys, you know, playing a lot of good minutes, whether it be in MLS, uh, other European leagues, um, wherever it may be, um, guys are playing, guys are starting, guys are doing really well. So I think this is this is perfect. You have a lot of guys playing in positions where now it's um, maybe where guys are like, oh, I don't know if there's a lot of depth in that position or there's not a lot of, you know, this guy's going to be a mainstay. But right now in the national team, I think there's a lot of positions where you're looking at it. And you're like, well, wow, um, John Herdman's going to have a, a headache trying to pick this 11, you know, because there's so many guys playing at a high level and playing very well right now. So it's, um, good problems for us. So I think maybe with this break, it's um, many would have thought it maybe would have affected us, but I think it actually may work out in our, in our benefit because, you know, we keep in contact pretty frequently as a group and you can see guys are hungry. Guys are doing really well at their clubs and guys want to prove it on a international stage, not for themselves even, but just for this country. Cause I think um, the country deserves it. And now we have a wave of players in the pool and players to come as well that are going to show exactly what Canada soccer is all about. Rich, you've been uh, so generous with your time today. We appreciate it. Uh, Keep, uh, keep those victories coming. We'll be watching as the season goes on. Thank you. Thank you guys very much. Have a good one. Just a fantastic story of how Richie Lorea went from uh, Orlando city departure to now in the men's national team and recent MLS player of the week. It's been fantastic. Fantastic to see his breakout with Toronto FC. Dan Richo, Jeff Blair, your questions closing out the show next. Injury time on a kick in the grass. Final segment of a kick in the grass. Dan Richo and Jeff Blair, our fantasy Premier League. Uh, highest score of the week comes from half Rise, half Salah, managed by the bright uh, Darren McKnight who has recently been linked to the soon-to-be-open position at Old Trafford. Uh, He led his squad to 73 points uh, this week, and he brilliantly captained Mohamed Salah, who returned two goals for 26 points. Also, Jack Grealish uh, 
and Jorginho were in his squad. That midfield trio combined for 55 of the 73 points on the match week. So shouts to Darren and Halfrise Half Sala uh, to uh, win the week <laughs> this week. If you want to join our Kick in the Grass Fantasy Premier League, head to PremierLeague.com, hit the Fantasy tab, and join our league with the code PPIBD6. Top score of the week earns a shout out here on the show. All right, let's get to your questions for injury time at DanRicho underscore and at SN Jeff Blair on Twitter. Uh, Rudy comes in on Instagram. What Champions League fixture are you most looking forward to? Uh, Jeff, I, I think it's pretty obvious. Um, maybe a final chance to see Messi versus Ronaldo takes the cake here. Yeah, there's, you know, the. the I mean, you could be kind of fancy if you want and look around or try to outthink it. But yeah, Messi and Ronaldo, that will be absolutely, absolutely must watch. Um, and, and that's, you know, just another reason I love this competition so much. I, I, I know it's, you know, the people who run, uh, people who run UEFA and international soccer in general get criticized a lot. But man, the Champions League is just, it's such a good competition. Mm-hmm. And how can you not how can you not like this I, and and danny i you know i i asked myself I, I don't know how many more opportunities we're going to see the, get to see these guys go head to head yeah it's uh it, it, i think it, it'll probably be the last time um given what's i mean we don't know what's going to happen with messi certainly barcelona and some of their financials are coming out today and it's uh, looking pretty bleak for them right now they're going to have to move some money out continuing here through the next 12 months and for Juventus, I mean, I just wonder how much longer uh, they'll stick around with with Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, I think he's got a year left on his deal beyond this one. Uh, and, you know, into his mid-30s, you, you're, you're always asking those questions. So enjoy it while we can. I'm, I'm most upset. You know, Juventus gets drawn into a, a group with Ferenc Vados, Jeff, and I can't even go to Budapest. Uh, to watch the game, you know that would that that's a dream uh, for me. After uh, you know having the royal Hungarian wedding last no, year, that was. I, I mean, <laughs> I, I would imagine that that it would create a in in COVID days that would create a security issue for the Hungarian government. <laughs> I mean, royalty royalty going to a royalty going to a football match that that would just. <laughs> I, I, I would I would think Danny that that as a as a feeling feeling human being you would you would you would think of your. Your, your subjects in Hungary and, 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 and not not put them through all that. Uh, yeah, you know, it's, uh, it, it, it's a tough decision on, on our part. Uh, for those wondering, yes, uh, I got married in Budapest last year, and uh, Jeff called it the Royal Hungarian Wedding. And it was, it was quite nice. I mean, it was at a castle. It was a nice was church a and castle. everything. Of course, it was a royal wedding. Come on, don't, don't, under, don't underplay yourself. It was the royal wedding. It was the royal wedding, and uh, there's there's people and pictures to prove it. Uh, all right, Claudio on Twitter. Uh, should Juventus have gone ahead yesterday despite knowing Napoli wasn't showing up? Uh, so for those who are uh, in the woods on this one, yeah. Juventus and Napoli, big match on Sunday in, in Serie A, and uh, in the lead-up, Piotr Zielinski uh, ends up with a positive COVID test, and... Napoli are then told by local health authorities that they are unable to travel for the match. Uh, the Serie A league was saying you're not showing the proper documentation of this, and Juventus was just told, no, you show up. Uh, just It was a total mess. Leave it to Serie A to, to make a mess of this, whereas 
you know, in other leagues, uh, even uh, the Italian league. Um, you know, Ibrahimovic had a positive test last week. Milan went ahead and still played. We've seen that in other leagues where the players get quarantined themselves and teams go on and continue to play. Um, but Juventus kind of looks savage here. Even as a Juventus fan, they're, they're playing for the forfeit here, Jeff. And But, I mean, in the, in the interest of safety for everybody involved, uh, shouldn't you not just, you know, take a stand here as the biggest club in Italy and say, hey, we, we've got to think about what's what's right here? Yeah, I'll look. I yes, w- w- without question, you have to you have to do that. Um, you know, the soccer has been soccer has done a pretty good job of managing it. Well, never mind, a pretty good job. It's done a terrific job of managing its return from uh, from the COVID shutdown. And you know, there haven't had to be a lot of major compromises made by teams. It seems this is clearly an example where a compromise is needed and absolutely absolutely i think it's on juve to uh you know to 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 say look we understand what happened here and and you know we're thinking of the 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 greater good um i will will they will they do that i tend to think not i think i tend to think they'll probably take the three nothing win or the three nil win, but it would it would be nice if they did. It's uh, again, it, it's by and large, soccer's got this right, and I think you have to be prepared for the odd kink in the system, right? For the odd uh, failure of communication, you have to be prepared for, prepared for that. And I would suggest to Juve that you don't know what's going to happen next week, the week after that, or the week after that. You don't know if you're going to be in a similar position. So I, I, I would like to think that that the, the greater good would prevail here, but I doubt if it will. Yeah, and uh, it was it was kind of embarrassing to see them show up for the match and nobody was there to play. And uh, you know the television broadcast started and there's people in the stands, like uh, you know socially distanced, of course, very small amount of people. But it was just ridiculous from the outset, knowing that Napoli wasn't going to travel for this match. But um, hey, uh, they did their due diligence to maybe get the three nil victory in future before court proceedings will take place on this for certain. And I'm sure the Italian soap opera around uh, the Serie A will continue. Uh, Jeff, this has uh, been brilliant. Uh, we will talk again in future. Kick in the grass every Monday on iTunes and your favorite podcatcher. Appreciate you listening. At Dan Riccio underscore and at SN Jeff Blair is where you can hit us up with your questions for the show. Until next week, this has been a Kick in the Grass. Kick in the grass.